This week, Disturbed is dark for Thanksgiving, but I didn't want to leave you empty-handed. So I'm bringing you a special episode from the Chiller Queen podcast. Now, I found the conversation in this episode absolutely fascinating regarding one of my favorite topics, UFOs and aliens. But I promise you, the conversation goes much, much deeper. And don't forget to go follow the Chiller Queen podcast on your favorite podcast app. If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness, like how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Avery, the host of the Chiller Queen podcast. Thank you. Coming back. (laughs) Should I say thank you? Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. I got a really interesting episode for you guys today. I've always been fascinated by aliens and UFOs since I was a little girl, actually. I used to actually be traumatized by aliens when I was little. My sister made me watch, what is that, Fire in the Sky when I was just like a little, little girl. And after that, like I fully 100% believed that aliens were out there and that I couldn't escape them because they have this beam that can pretty much take you from anywhere that you are. So I actually had a genuine fear of aliens the majority of my childhood. I think it was probably until I was like 10 or 11, maybe 12, that I started to grow out of that a little bit. But there were times where I couldn't even go outside. I thought that all the stars in the sky were UFOs. So that's how much this stuff has impacted me. And I followed it for a really long time. So as you can tell... And my views on all this has changed a lot over the years, but I'll get into that in a little bit. If you're a new listener, I want to give you a personal shout out. Say thank you so much for tuning in. Glad you found me. Glad you're here. I like to talk about true crime, conspiracies, and all things weird. If you like weird, you're definitely in the right place. But if you... We have the recent congressional hearing on UAPs. And I feel like things are starting to heat up. They're starting to get real. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Now let's get into UFOs, UAPs, whatever. They want to start changing terms on us. Aliens and UFOs are now UAPs and non-human intelligence. Okay, my friends. So if you tuned in to the congressional hearing, it was about two and a half hours long. Okay. I'm not going to dive super deep into what they said during the congressional hearings because I mean, to be honest, if you have followed the UFO research for years, okay, like I have, all this information has been out there for a really long time. There is nothing new outside of what has been said previously on like podcasts, interviews, the media, etc. Okay, like all only major difference is the statements were made on the record. Okay, they were given under oath. And to some that holds a lot heavier weight for truth, since there could be 
legal repercussions for lying under oath, which is why people feel like this whole disclosure thing is now getting really serious and it's being more widely accepted as a possibility rather than a conspiracy. Because now we have these whistleblowers coming forth and they are presenting their case to Congress under oath to the public. Okay, this isn't just on like a podcast, an interview where you could just be like, yeah, okay, whatever. These people are going in there. They can suffer legal repercussions, but they're trying to get this information out there. So all of a sudden now people are becoming a little bit more accepting that there's a possibility that there's extraterrestrials out there. Okay, so what does this all mean? Well, I mean, that's really what I want to focus on today because it seems like there are a lot of theories out there. Are aliens and UFOs even real? Because like, how can they travel thousands of miles and at the speed of light? Okay, that doesn't sound like it's physically possible. There's people who think that this is potentially an agenda for something greater that has been orchestrated by the powers that be, the elite, the people who run the world. Are we dealing with other dimensions, which quantum mechanics and quantum physics can explain? Like, what the hell? Are you a science person? I don't know. There's a lot to wrap your head around when it comes to that. Or are we dealing with the spirit realm of angels and demons as described in the Bible? Okay. These are all these theories out there that surround what these beings or these entities or these ships are where they're coming from. And I found it interesting because I came at this from a perspective of like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Okay. I almost fell in line with like all those theories. And as I started like researching into this a lot more, it became clear to me that all these possibilities can exist simultaneously. That's right. All of those theories can be true all at once. And In this episode, I'm going to explain to you why, okay? But here's the thing. The lens in which you view this phenomenon that is occurring will ultimately be up to you and what resonates with you, okay? Take what resonates with you and leave the rest. Because as I began analyzing the various theories, it it just became clear to me that they are all somewhat explaining the same thing and that they can all coexist with each other. I think we're almost on the edge of recognizing who we are and what we are as a species, okay? And we're getting closer and closer to understanding the nature of reality, okay? But it's just gonna be up to you to decide what that theory is that explains that, okay? Because all of these theories can potentially exist all at the same time, and that's what I'm gonna explain to you. Okay, so in this episode, I'm going to dive into some of the key points that were made in the congressional hearing. I'll go into detail explaining holographic universe theory, simulation theory, try and wrap your mind around that, and how this gives evidence to the creator theory that the universe does have a creator, which has been stated over and over again in these right-hand path philosophies, and what has been discussed in the Bible and through these Abrahamic religions. Okay. And then I'll dive deep into how all of this lines up with scripture. Yeah, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. And then I'm going to finish it off with my own opinion 
what I think is really going on. So again, this episode is up for discussion, okay? Nobody on this planet actually knows what the hell is going on here. So my views will always remain open to new information. So please, if you have more on this topic and you would like to share with me after you listen to this episode, please do, okay? Find me on my website, find me on Instagram, send me an email. You can find all the links in the show notes to do that. I mean, I'm open. I'm open to hearing it all, okay? But I have my own theory. Again, it's my own theory of what's going on here. And that's what I'm going to lay out for you guys today. Now, let's not waste any more time, okay? Let's dive in, shall we? Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence and give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. All right, I'm going to take you to July 26th of 2023. It just happened recently, okay? Our old ass Congress, the old fucking people in there, held a congressional hearing after David Grush went on News Nation as a whistleblower, given all these crazy claims, saying that we got extraterrestrials, we got non-human intelligence space, spacecraft, that's in our skies and he knows, he knows the shit. He knows he's in it. Now Congress is like, what the hell, dude? You're like, this information's being held from us. Now we need to hold a historical congressional hearing with these whistleblowers and get them under oath and see what they gotta say. So Congress invites, well, there was potentially, actually there were supposed to be other whistleblowers, but they were intimidated not to come on. So these three guys were the ones who were like, hell no, you ain't going to intimidate me. I'm coming on and I'm going to tell them what I know. But David Grush went on a News Nation interview and basically gave a lot more information than what he said in these congressional hearings. So if you want to listen to something that has a little bit more information rather than watching the two and a half hours of the hearing, highly suggest listening to that one, which ironically is being like censored on YouTube. You can't even find the whole interview unless you specifically have the links to it. There's only like these little clips of the interview. So you guys want that, totally give it to you. But like I said, a lot of the information was what we already know. They came out and they're like, we're blowing the horn on this information. And they're stating that our own government has been hiding this information for like 90 years from the people, okay? The whistleblowers, we had Ryan Graves. He was an ex-Navy fighter pilot. David Grush, he's the big guy. He's got the most claims. And the reason being is because he's an intelligence officer at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. He was also the co-lead in the UAP and transmedium object analysis, as well as reported 
to the UAP task force, okay? He was in it. He was in it to win it. He was inside, guys, the UAP task force. Then you had David Fravor, and he's the guy. He's a retired commander in the U.S. Navy, and he's the one who's who is known for the famous Tic Tac video. He was the one there. He witnessed the whole thing go down. He's the one who had the video. So it was three of them. And obviously these guys have pretty legit backgrounds to be able to make these alleged claims. But I feel like the most bombshell claims came from David Grush, okay? And I'm gonna give you a little backstory on why David Grush came out as a whistleblower. So basically, David Grush says that he has direct knowledge that there is a secret UAP crash retrieval program that denied access to the UAP task force after it had been requested. Now, let's just back up on that. There is a secret UAP crash retrieval program inside of the UAP task force. Like it's a program within a program. And it's basically like a deep state. They're hiding information from the UAP task force, which is in charge of trying to figure out the UAP conundrum. If UFOs are real or do aliens exist? They're trying to figure this out and they had no clue that there was this secret retrieval program. And the retrieval program was to retrieve crashed UAPs or landed UAPs. All right. So the UAP task force never even knew that this existed. And that's why at the last UAP congressional hearing, which was such a downer, I was like so excited to listen to it. But everything was like, nope, we don't really, we can't say. Nope, can't find any existence of aliens or UFOs. So we pretty much got no information from that. And it was just a bummer. But according to Grush, that's because they didn't even know about this program. They didn't even know, if they didn't know about this program, then they couldn't request information into this program to give them the knowledge that there's potentially non-human intelligence out there, okay? But David Grush said that there was a few senior officers who were actually a part of the secret crash retrieval program and they had confided in Grush of its existence. They shared documents with him, photographs, video evidence to basically prove to him that it existed. Now, Grush was like, well, like, this is fucking fake. Okay. I don't believe it. I didn't believe it. After he heard about this information, he spent four years investigating the evidence that these senior officers were giving him. He, like, interviewed people that were involved in this program. He corroborated stories And ultimately, after four years, he came to the conclusion that, yeah, yeah, the program exists, okay? And everything that he was shown was in fact true. Well, since Grush knew that there was this program and he has one of the highest clearances and he holds a really high clearance, he decides that he's going to request the information because why would he request it if the program didn't exist? Now he thinks it exists. He's going to go request that classified information. And this is when all his troubles began. Because first off, his access was denied. The UAP task force was denied access 
to a secret UAP crash retrieval program. Denied. Okay. Well, after he was denied, he was starting to be harassed by these government people. Okay. And when he started being harassed, he informed the inspector general. And after getting no answers, he felt like, well, shit. I mean, this information is vital information and it's being withheld from the world. And this this information is so vital to humanity's evolution and progression that he felt like as Patriot, he needed to come forward as a whistleblower and hopefully expose this vital knowledge that is being kept a secret from the people. And it's weird that this information is being kept as a secret, but he claims that these the reason why it's being held from the public is because of power and control. It's to help build up our own military forces to be the greatest power on earth. Now, everybody, all these people around the world, they got their own UAPs. This is what David says. He says, everybody's got their own UAPs and there's been this secret cold war between nations to basically try and as fast as they can reverse engineer this unbelievable technology to advance their power to basically feed the war machine. And I can get behind that. I can really get behind that because it's human nature. Like I feel like it's just human nature to want to have the power and control over the world and if you have the most powerful military in the world, then you kind of run the world, right? And so there's been this secret Cold War between nations. It's been going on for a really long time. All of them got their own UAPs. They're all trying to reverse engineer the technology in order to advance their military force and become the big power elite in the world, control the world, okay? Basically to feed the war machine. The war makes money, okay? So these elite, they want to become the most powerful force on earth. They don't want to use this technology to fix a lot of the issues that plague our world, such as free energy, zero point energy. This would help climate change, however you guys feel on climate change, whatever. But that's kind of why David Grush was like, this is ridiculous. These people just want to use this technology, hide it from us, and feed the war machine when this stuff can really fix and change the world. We need to be putting our efforts and science towards understanding this technology so that we can fix a lot of the things going on in this world, okay? So David goes into much more detail and this is what I thought was very odd, okay? So in the interview that Grush did on News Nation with Ross Colhart, David goes into a lot more information than what was discussed in the congressional hearing. And I found this a bit peculiar because David seemed so open to giving direct and clear answers in the interview with News Nation versus the congressional hearing while he was under oath. If you ain't lying, why can't you say it under oath? Why do you need certain secret requests? So when he was asked by various Congress members the exact same questions that were asked during the News Nation interview... Some of Grush's responses were that he was unable to comment on it unless they were allowed access to a skiff. And you kind of heard that in the intro. He's like, I'll talk about that in the skiff. I'm not going to talk about it here, but I'll talk about it in skiff, even though I did 
say it on News Nation. Okay. If you don't know what a skiff is, a skiff is, it's like a sensitive compartmented information facility. Yeah. Yeah. You know what that is? It's basically like a, it's a secure room that guards against electronic surveillance. It suppresses data leakage of sensitive and classified information. You can't bring cell phones in there. Nothing can be recorded. It's a secure room that nobody can spy on you, get information. It's where you can securely talk about this classified information without it being leaked. And oddly enough, when Congress had requested a skiff for this congressional hearing, they were denied. They're like, hell no. You can talk about it in the skiff, but we ain't going to give you a skiff. Okay? So you can just skiff out. But I found it pretty odd that he freely gave up certain answers on the interview, but then he needed a skiff when he was on record. Anyways, moving on. Take it how you want it. So let's take a look now. Now we're going to actually take a look at some of the bombshell claims that came out during this hearing. And as I do that, I'm going to go into some of these theories that I discussed in my intro. Okay. So by the end of all of this, hopefully we will have a better understanding of what this all means, or maybe I will, because maybe you might not think the way that I do, but that's okay. Have an open mind. Maybe it will lead you down some other paths, but this is just the way that I am kind of wrapping my mind around this. Obviously still open to many different theories. Okay. But regardless, the theories behind all of this, let's just think about this. Can we trust the intentions behind these whistleblowers? Okay. They come from the military and we all know our military is up to some weird shit. And usually they're the ones typically involved in all of these weird secret operations that are hidden from the public. Okay. So I'm going to touch base on that at the end as well. But again, it's my own opinions. So can we trust these whistleblowers? I don't know. We'll see. By the end of this, can we? So Congress asks, are these UIPs? So the Congress, these old fuckers, they come up and they're like, can we trust these UAPs? Are they a threat? Can they harm us? And it was a pretty much a general consensus amongst all three of the whistleblowers that yes, they are a threat. And the reason being is because this technology is so advanced. There's nothing like it out there. There's nothing, it defies the laws of physics. So in that case, if they have such advanced technology like that, where they can shut off our nukes, we're we're pretty much, we're fucked. They can pretty much obliterate us if they want to. And that was the general consensus, okay? So we already got a fear, a fear agenda going here. And we all know what fear does to the people. It forces them to listen up, be controlled. But the real question is, why haven't they then obliterated us? If they've been around for 90 years, well, according to a ancient astronaut theory, they've been around for a very long time, a really, really, really long time way longer than 90 years. So why haven't they gotten rid of us humans? Because I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of crazy creatures. I don't really like humans that much. I would like to start over, (laughs) try it again. So why haven't they? Well, David Grush slightly gives a reference to this in his News Nation interview on why that is. Take a listen. 
And it's quite clear that you're talking about agreements between America and non-human intelligences. Have we made agreements with non-human intelligences? That's the kind of information I really hope national leadership is able to get to the bottom of. I need to pin you down on this. Are there agreements between non-human intelligences and the American government? I think that's a question that I would like to know all the details of as well. All right. Well, he sort of dances around the idea that these secret programs have potentially made agreements with these extraterrestrials to ensure the safety of our future. I mean, that's weird, right? Our government has made, he, they have joined the Intergalactic Federacy. We will not bomb your planet for X, Y, and Z reasons, okay? Just don't hurt us. We'll make some agreements with you, okay? We want your technology. So the odd thing is, are these occult magicians, you know, making deals with the devil? I don't know, you decide. Let's move on. So David Grush then discloses in this hearing that he has direct knowledge that there have actually been white collar crimes. Our own government has committed white collar crimes, organized crime against witnesses to keep this information a secret. That's how important the information that they're holding is. And when he was asked if people have been murdered, he says, well, I can't really comment on that. But that information has been directed towards the proper authorities. So what does that mean? Ooh, it really does sound like people have been murdered to keep this information locked down. Now that's odd, right? So does this mean the men in black are real? These people that get visited after their alleged abductions? Maybe these men in black are real. I don't know. You decide. Moving on. Which, by the way... This kind of goes into a different direction, but David Grush also claims that this non-human intelligence, and it's called non-human intelligence, NHI is what they say, because David Grush is like, I don't know their origins. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know if they're coming from another galaxy or a planet, but he touches base on where he believes they're coming from. He just can't pinpoint exactly what they are, where they're coming from. So he's not going to call them extraterrestrial. He's going to call them non-human intelligence, which is interesting because when they say non-human intelligence, that's actually what occultists have referred to these entities that they try to make contact with. It's like that they're just a different intelligence, a cosmic intelligence. So find that interesting as well, because a lot of this stuff, as we talk about it today, is kind of going to refer to this being very much tied to the occult. But he claims that these non-human intelligence have actually harmed and possibly even killed humans, which is a very different narrative from Stephen Greer. If you have researched into UFOs and all that stuff, you know the name Stephen, Stephen Greer. He's done a lot of documentaries and he's most famously known for his CE5 events. They're called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. And this is where he basically holds these regular meditation circles Anybody can join these. You can actually get the CE5 event app and you can learn how to call on these entities with your mind. He gets these people together in these meditation circles and he teaches them to mentally hone in on these entities and guide them 
to their exact location using their mind. And they focus on it. And basically, these extraterrestrial beings will manifest themselves. And according to him, he and these various groups have made contact many times with various different types of beings. I mean, he had video or he had picture evidence on his documentary. I don't know if those are real or not. But he he's a very well-known figure. And his narrative is very different because he says that all of these entities, all these beings are of a higher frequency. They're very kind. They're very loving. And all they want is for humanity to raise their consciousness, their frequency, so that they can join these beings. And they're here to give us intelligence. They're kind. They're loving. They want good for humanity. And so Stephen Greer thinks that the government narrative is just to instill fear into the people so that they can get behind building up our military forces, our technology, and moving the world towards a one world government where it's basically humans against extraterrestrials. That's an interesting theory, right? And I'll tell you why. I'm going to tell you why that's an interesting theory because when you listen to what these whistleblowers are saying, it's very fear-driven, okay? But something stood out to me when I listened to the News Nation interview with Grush, okay? Grush is asked, well, what do you expect from leaking this information? What do you want? How do you want the human race to react to you disclosing to them that aliens and UFOs are real? And this is what he says. I don't have this utopian ideology that this is going to, you know, solve world problems, stop war entirely. But all I want is a moment of pause and then to see if the subject unites us as we've obviously become more divided over the last couple of decades. Because if anything else, what you're revealing may mean we all start thinking of ourselves not as American, Australian, Russian, Chinese, but as human. Human family, I think that's totally the right term, yeah. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer. And I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an Evergreen Podcasts, Killer Podcasts, and Slow Burn Media production. 
Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows. Oh, that's so sweet. The human family. Humans versus NHI. That's not, I mean, that's not really what he was exactly saying, but he was hoping that this would kind of unify everyone. And I'm not saying that I'm all for this divide, okay? But there has to be checks and balances in this world, okay? There has to be, there cannot be these large power structures because when you hand over too much power to a corporation or to any centralized unit, it breeds corruption, okay? So the power elite have understood this for a really long time. They understand that when you create fear and instill fear into the world, that you can create division and then you can also create power and control over the people, okay? And that's pretty much what's going on right now. There are two different narratives going out there in the world and people are taking what resonates with them and then they are using that to divide us against our own belief systems. And then they're using that narrative to get people to follow them. And really they're, they're what they want and their real agenda is something completely different. Okay, they want you guys arguing with each other so that you're not paying attention to the shit behind the scenes so that they can move us and progress us towards something greater. And so let's be very real here, okay? There is a very real agenda out there. And it's not even a conspiracy anymore. It used to be a conspiracy. It used to be like the New World Ulta, right? Probably, I don't know why I give like weird little accents to things, but there is a very real agenda. And it used to be a conspiracy. But now we have what's called the Great Reset, where we are going to transform humanity from what it's been for a really long time to something new, something that's going to progress us towards a more enlightened future, okay? So we all know they're moving us towards a one world government. That's the plan, which is absolutely terrifying because when it comes to complete power and control, it breeds corruption. If you just take a look at capitalism, now I'm not against capitalism, but anything, too much of anything is bad. So when you have capitalism that doesn't have very good checks and balances, then it gives rise to the ability for these corporations and these companies to begin getting too big and too powerful. And what makes them powerful? It's money. So the more money, the more assets that these companies gain, the more control that they have over even our government, okay? And these companies or these large corporations, why do you think our media is so fucked? Well, it's probably because it's owned by the same people. There's a very small amount of umbrella corporations that own and buy up all of these smaller companies. And then they are in charge of putting out what it is that they want. So it's very interesting that, you know, you have like Fox News, which is owned by the same people as CNN or any of these other media companies. And they have very different narratives going out there. Why? Well, it's because they want to create that division. They're in cahoots with our intelligence agencies that are proficient in mind control and all that kind of stuff. Okay. 
they're the ones pushing out these different narratives so that you can create this division in the world. And people get like so heated up over politics now. It's like their religion that now people are just arguing with each other over what side is right. So that's the reason why I don't listen to the media. I take everything with a grain of salt. And just even with my own experience of how the media works, it's all fucked. It's all fucked. But the reason why is because it's all owned by these umbrella corporations. They're very powerful. They control the narrative. They are the ones who have the ability and influence to shape society, to progress it forward. Why do you think that BlackRock and Vanguard are racing to buy up all the real estate? Okay, look what's happening in Maui with the big fire that happened. I mean, they're getting fire prices right now to buy up all of that land. And there's more conspiracies that surround that too, but I'm not going to get into that. But handing over all the power to one government is dangerous. It's very dangerous. But did you listen to what Grush was saying? He wants the this knowledge to bring humanity together and this divide and bring us more into just being humans versus extraterrestrials, okay? And those words are very unifying. And I hate to say this, but they use those words like unifying words or sweet word to pull at the heartstrings of good-hearted but ignorant people, okay? And it's usually not their fault. And I don't think it's the fault of the people to be ignorant because most people are stuck in this slave machine of work most your life. So you don't have the ability, energy, or even the mental capacity to even recognize what's really going on. So then they just turn to their fave media channel to stay up to date on what's going on in the world without even realizing that they're being programmed and brainwashed and mind controlled into believing a narrative that has been constructed by a very powerfully large corporation that's in cahoots with the intelligence agencies. So that's why I can understand why people would be led to believe that the UFO agenda is really just an agenda to push us further towards a one world government because a lot of the people who don't believe at all in aliens and UFOs, you know, they tend to have no problem falling in this camp. I mean, they make a really good argument, okay? Because according to our current law of physics, the standard reality that we live in right now, when everything that you look around are standard laws of physics, it's virtually impossible for these beings, from what we even understand or know, to travel faster than the speed of light and survive. Their bones, like everything inside of them, if they were a human, how could they travel at the speed of light and their bodies not just incinerate? Okay. And not just that, even if they did travel at the speed of light, it would take them from the closest galaxy. It would take them thousands of years to get here. So not only do they have to be able to survive the speed of light, their bodies, their spacecraft, but then they also have to be able to travel and be old as fuck by the time they get to Earth. And don't you find it weird that their spacecraft and them can survive the speed of light and not be incinerated, but then crash into our Earth and all of a sudden, fuck, they're dead. And they're always naked. They always got these unbelievably old naked bodies because, you know, they're thousands of years and they can survive the speed of light, but they cannot survive a UFO crash on Earth. 
Doesn't make sense, right? And this was brought up by one of the congressmen to Grush. He fell in this camp. He's like, I don't believe this. If they're coming from our galaxy, this doesn't make sense. So tell me, Grush, how does that make sense? And Grush, having a degree in physics, he counters what the congressman claimed because apparently there is a lot of science out there that has in quantum mechanics and quantum physics, we have discovered a lot of information about how the universe works. Okay. And him having a physics degree, I mean, I can understand why a lot of people don't even know about all these theories that could make this possible. So they fall into the camp of this can't physically happen. So I don't believe that aliens exist and this is an agenda. So Grush having his physics degree, he counters what the congressman says. He explains that it's possible that these NHI aren't coming from our universe. Okay, they don't fall under our laws of physics. They're coming from other dimensions. What? Okay. He also brings up quantum mechanics and quantum physics, which explains that we live in a holographic universe. That's what he says. Okay. And what the holographic universe? I had heard of it. I've heard about all the theories, but I found it very interesting that this whole dimension thing is becoming very popular in the physics world in order to explain our reality. And what I found is that there's actually a lot of science out there now that supports that this is true, that there's many different other dimensions and that we live in a holographic universe. But I'm like, okay, I don't understand what that means. So I went on a mission to try and figure out and wrap my head around holographic universe theory and took me a long time because I'm like, nope, that doesn't make sense. Nope, can't wrap my head around that. But then I found something that started to make a lot more sense to me. So now I'm going to start going into how this is possible. So now we know that these beings don't fall in line with our laws of physics. They're coming from other dimensions. Interesting, interesting theory. But now in order for us to wrap our mind around that, we need to understand what that means. So I stumbled across this clip. It was Concrete Clips on YouTube. It's a YouTube channel. And I saw this video called Our Universe Has 11 Dimensions According to Quantum Physics. And the guest was Billy Carson. He has written a lot on this. He broke it down very simply. But at the end of the video, he states something that got my mind turning and made me seek a little bit more information. And I'll go more into that at the end. But listen to what he has to say. So I dug real deep into it and I got to the understanding that we're living in a multi-dimensional universe and there's at least 11 dimensions. Otherwise, the universe would collapse. Each dimension is a 90-degree angle right above the next one, compactified. So they're sitting right on top of us. So within less than a plunk unit of space above you, there's another dimension that actually exists with a whole other universe happening simultaneously while we're sitting right here. Billy says, picture yourself sitting in your car, listening to this, whatever the hell you're doing. There is a whole other dimension operating, which is just as vast as our universe that's happening right above us. He then goes on to say, 
that in these higher dimensions, which he claims there are 11 dimensions, that they don't experience space and time like we do. Space and time doesn't even exist. And the past, present, and future happen all at once. And this caught my attention because he says in these higher dimensions that you can look down and you can see the past, present, and future happening all at once. And this kind of, and this is why it intrigued me, was because that's where this brings in this psychic phenomenon. This alludes to the psychic phenomenon where psychics can communicate with like angels and entities to gain this knowledge that we people don't have access to about someone's past, present, and future. And that's where they give these predictions. Now, that's interesting because that ties to esoteric knowledge, the occult, paganism. So just keep that in mind as we go along here. Time really doesn't exist. The past, present, and the future happen all at once. So somebody, for example, uh, from the fifth dimension would look at us and they'd be able to see us. Imagine us in this building here, but imagine when I first walked in and imagine us in here and imagine me like in the bathroom or something. They'd be able to see us in all the different rooms. The different rooms represent different time frames Mm. of existence within this structure. So they can see the past, present, and future at the same time. So it's pretty cool. Weird stuff starts happening the higher the dimensions you go. So... He says that in these higher dimensions, you can see down into the lower dimensions, but the lower dimensions cannot see into the higher dimensions, which is interesting to think about, okay, when you think about our dimension. And apparently, the laws of physics changes with every dimension. So we're living, and that's why it's so weird, but we're living in a space-time and matter dimension. And in these other dimensions, higher and lower, you are dealing with other laws of physics or however you want to think about that. But it's interesting because he claims that in order to reach these higher dimensions, you must match the frequency of these dimensions because we are a light frequency. And in order to access the dimension in which you are transmitting... You have to match that frequency. It's almost like a radio and how every radio station is emitting a different wave and whatever you turn your dial to, you tune into that frequency wave, which then emits that radio station. So we are just tuned in to a certain light frequency and that because we are on that frequency and we don't match the other frequency of these other dimensions, we can't access them. But it's very interesting because it's almost like you have to level up your character in order to access. It's like you go through these lower levels and you don't know what's on the higher level, but you know what's on all the the lower levels because you went through it. You can see what happened. You just can't see what's in the future. So he's saying you have to raise your frequency, higher your frequency in order to get these to these dimensions. Yeah, so for example, okay, my hand is stopped now by this table, right? right? Why is it stopped? I'm not really touching the table. There's repulsion going on. Electromagnetic repulsion between the electrons in my hand is repelling the electrons in the table. You don't really touch anything. 
Now, if I can match the subatomic frequency of the atoms in this chunk of wood here on this table I could, with my hand, I would be able to pass my hand right through this table unscathed. Why? Because atoms are 99.999% empty space. Nothing is really here. Everything is only a light wave slowed down to a particular frequency. And so if you can match frequencies, you can merge with things. You can walk through walls, all that kind of stuff. The things that seem paranormal could be advanced beings have tapped into some type of uh, understanding of how to match different frequencies in our dimension and appear apparition apparitional or, or, or paranormal. But in true reality, they could just be taking a peek in. <laughs> okay, now if you think this is just a theory, Billy Carson states that quantum physics has already proved this, that what we have observed with CERN and CERN basically replicating how the universe works, we have studied these things and this has been proven by quantum physics, okay? So this goes in line with what Grush was talking about when he was trying to explain that this is a non-human intelligence, NHI, that might be coming from another dimension. And Billy Carson kind of states that in the realm of standard physics right now, in what we see all around us and operate in is the standard law of physics. But when you start looking into subatomic particles, everything that we're made up of, that's these smaller dimensions. We can look into their dimensions, but they can't look into ours. And that makes sense because... Can you imagine yourself as like a little bacteria and if you had eyes and a brain and you're swimming around and you're making friends with other bacterias, can you even begin to comprehend that you're part of this very, very big human that's walking around and operating? No, because you're so small, you can't even see the bigger reality of what's taking place, of what you're part of. Okay, that's kind of how I view it. I don't know if exactly that's what he's talking about. But he claims that when you start looking into these subatomic particles, the smaller you go, the weirder things get. It seems that those things don't really fall in line with our standard laws of physics. Okay, through some of the studies that they have done, they observed that particles transphase in and out of existence. They go into different dimensions. So our own subatomic particles go in and out of other dimensions as we're sitting here, okay? He even says that they know now that some of the synapses in our thoughts and in our brain phase in and out of this dimension and go somewhere else and then they come back again. I don't know how they know this, but that was the conclusion of the studies that they have done. And he says that this has all been tracked and traced through quantum mechanics and quantum physics. And it kind of makes you wonder what dreams are. And I've thought about this for a really long time because when you dream, space and time are irrelevant. I've been asking this question actually for years. I've pondered this for years. And it's something I still think about, but I don't know if you've ever slept all night, woke up to your alarm, decided to go back to sleep for 30 minutes. 30 minutes, okay? I've done that and I've had these full-on vivid and intense dreams, which if you were to have made my dream into like a movie that you can watch on the screen, it would have taken hours to watch because there was such a an intricate storyline 
It was very vivid, went on for a long time, but I was only asleep for 30 minutes. How the fuck is that possible? Because when I think back at my dream, and I have very vivid dreams, okay? I remember a good amount of my dreams and for a really long period of time. Some of my dreams I can actually remember all the way from back when I was like a little girl. So I have these very vivid dreams. And I'm like, my dream didn't seem like it was going in fast motion, slow motion. It seemed like it was just going on the same trajectory, space time, but yet I was only asleep for 30 minutes. How is that possible? And why is it so important for our brain to at nighttime go to sleep? Why is it so important for our brain to have REM sleep, which is where you have the dreams or else if we don't sleep, we actually die. And if we don't get enough REM sleep, our brain doesn't function properly. Our brain cells can die. Like there's so many malfunctions that can happen in the body. What is so important about dreaming? Why do we have to spend half of our day asleep? And why is it so important? Could our dreams be us? Basically, we're in this physical world. We're living out the day. We're learning new things. We're experiencing new experiences. And then at the end of the day, it's important important for us to be able to sleep and dream and apparently go into these other dimensions is what I kind of think is going on where we can actually like upgrade our character by the information of the day that we brought in. Maybe that's our brain trying to like figure out all the stuff that we learned and then it it sub programs it into our subconscious and becomes part of our our software, our software program. Just my thoughts. I don't know. So in order to explain all of what I'm kind of talking about, I would look into what quasi crystals are. It's Q-U-A-S-I crystals, quasi crystals, because apparently Billy says that in a lab, these physicists had created an eighth dimensional quasi crystal. How the fuck do you create an eighth dimensional quasi crystal in the fourth dimensional world? It's very interesting, right? So they created this in a lab. And from that experiment, it begins to explain this theory of the holographic universe, like what David Grush was saying. Let's take a listen to what he says. And then from that eighth dimensional quasi-crystal, it casts a shadow of itself down to a fourth dimensional quasi-crystal, which then casts down a shadow, which creates a sphere. So we know that the universe is most likely the shadow of a higher dimension. It's crazy stuff. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. 
You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Okay, did you get that? So I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, but these higher dimensions cast a shadow on lower dimensions. And basically we are just a shadow of a higher dimension. And when it casts down, it creates a sphere. And basically our universe is this sphere that we live in. And he goes on to talk about how we live in a light matrix, which is just a shadow of a much higher dimension. These light matrices are frequencies. They're light frequencies. It's like a light show happening in the universe. And you have to be a part of that frequency in order to be in that light show. So imagine looking into a kaleidoscope. Now, this is where he starts talking about outside of our universe. Our universe is a part of a fractal universe. And all these things are causing shadows into these and creating these other dimensions. So imagine looking into a kaleidoscope that kind of gives you a better understanding of what he's explaining. So these quasi crystals, when you look at them, they actually look like a kaleidoscope. And to understand this better, this is what he says. We live in a fractal holographic universe. The quasi crystal is a fundamental basis of the fractal holography that we're living in. We're fully immersed in it, so we can't detect it, but we're living in a light matrix. And that's what the Adinkra codes also prove. The Adinkra Codes. Okay. This is where things start to get interesting because listen to his explanation of Adinkra Codes. He says, a group of the top physicists in the world came together and began analyzing what this space-time, what this soup is that we are living in. What the hell is this reality that we're living in? What's it made out of? What's it powering? They began to analyze what this whole space-time is. What is this soup we're living in? What's it made out of? What's powering it? And this is what they found. They discovered something called Adinkra codes, which go back to the ancient Dogon tribe from Mali, Africa. The original inhabitants of the land of Camden moved to Mali later after they were thrown out or taken over at one point. But they still kept this ancient knowledge in, in, in Mali about these Adinkra codes and they would draw these patterns. Well, he discovered that these patterns are actually mathematical codes. And these are not just any mathematical code. There goes one there. They're actually the codes that describe the ether of space-time itself. They're error-correcting codes, the same exact codes that run our search engines and web browsers that we're using right now to look at the image. There's coding behind that screen that runs this, what we just did. Mm-hmm. And guess what? It's the same code that runs the universe. So we discovered that we're living in a programmed light matrix. There's a software programmer that has written this code. (laughs) Okay, now we're getting into simulation theory. And good old Elon Musk, he's a big component of the belief in simulation theory. You see how all this is now starting to kind of compile together and these theories are kind of compounding onto each other? Simulation theory is like mathematically possible that we're living in a simulation rather than a real reality. So listen to what he says next. 
and they actually are mathematical programming code. They're a special type of code, though. They're error-correcting code, the same type that that Google browser is running on is the same thing that runs the universe. Okay. These are error-correcting codes. Interesting, right? Because he's basically saying that we live in a software program and that we are part of these error-correcting codes. So what do we gain from this knowledge? What does this tell us about reality? And this is the fascinating part. And it kind of give, gives rise to what I'm going to discuss next. Well, if you understand that we're living in a fractal holographic light matrix, it doesn't mean we're not real. It just means that there is a creator or creators that we're living in something that was created, just like the ancient texts and all the scribes and, and biblical texts and everything else says. But it tells us, wow, this is the method of the creation. Now we're getting closer to understanding what we really are. We understand now that consciousness isn't made inside this avatar body, that the avatar body doesn't even exist. Ooh, that is deep. We do not even exist. Okay. So this gives supporting evidence to the creator theory that there is a creator, which kind of supports what biblical text has said. Now, I have to admit for a long time, and I still struggle with my existential beliefs because there's just too much going on out there. But I thought that UFO and alien disclosure would completely disrupt biblical teachings and even potentially disrupt the foundation of religions across the globe. Because I was like, if aliens and UFOs are real, then how can what the Bible says be real? I, me not being very well versed in the Bible, even though I was a very devout Christian for a while and I had my own understanding, but I didn't like at that time, even my understanding of the Bible was different than it is now. And now that all of this new knowledge is coming out, I'm starting to understand that it turns out that biblical teachings actually go in line perfectly with this theory. So when I was listening to that clip, ironically, this kind of led into another video of this guy and who his name is Nate Sala and he has the YouTube channel called Wise Disciples. So if you're a Christian and you believe more in the idea of a spirit realm, then I want to break down how all this disclosure in talks of like a holographic universe is something that isn't far off from what Bible discusses. So it leads into this video where I was like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy how this video leads into this one, which he starts, we ended on that there is a creator. There's someone who has created the software program that we're living in, which is interesting. So how does that line up with scripture? Well, I will put a link in the show notes to the full video, but I listened to this and the video is called Aliens Are Here, What Do We Do Now? And this is from the Wise Disciples uh, YouTube channel. This started getting into what made sense to me with everything that the world has kind of tried to figure out with paranormal, ghosts, UFOs, aliens, Bigfoot, all these cryptids that people talk about seeing. 
And apparently we can't even capture Bigfoot, but apparently he exists. I actually had a friend recently who lived in the mountains in Seattle when I was there. And I've known him for a really long time, probably like eight or nine, 10 years. And him and I are really good friends. I've never known him to just lie or even want attention. The guy doesn't like attention. He doesn't just lie. I mean, I know him really well. And he just recently told me that Bigfoot is real and that he had encountered him in the mountains in Seattle and that there's no way that these beings could ever be videoed or captured or any of that kind of stuff because they are such a high intelligence in the way that they operate that it's an impossibility because I was like, dude, let's go Bigfoot hunting. He's like, there's just no way. There's no way it's possible. And I'm just like, whoa, this is crazy, right? And then you have the Skinwalker Ranch, this weird shit going on. Are all of these things coming from the same place? And I'm not going to say that what this guy, this wise disciple is saying is completely accurate. This kind of depends on what frame of mind you want to view all this information in. But I'm going to explain how it all can coexist together. Now, I'm not going to say that what he is saying is completely accurate. This kind of just depends on what frame of mind that you want to view all of this information in, okay? If you're coming from a Christian aspect, this information will probably resonate with you. But you may be coming as a non-believer who comes at this from a scientific perspective, or maybe you're a truther that believes this disclosure is just the government's way of trying to instill fear in us to move us towards a one world government. Or maybe you think this is the beginning of Project Bluebeam and that none of this is real. But... If you believe in God and what the gospel teaches, then you may be wondering how all this fits into what Jesus taught. So are aliens actually demons and so on? Well, after I listened to this video, I mean, I personally felt like a lot of the questions I had regarding like religious philosophy were answered. So I want to share with you what I found because this goes in line with how occults are tied over and over again to aliens and UFOs. Aliens and UFOs are tied to the occult. Now, in this video, I'm not gonna give clips, but in the video, the host, Nate Sala, describes that if there are aliens out there that exist on other planets or dimensions, this doesn't change anything in scripture because the Bible gives very limited information about humanity. It's very limited. And if you think about the language that they used when the Bible was written, even their language was limited because we have created new terms for science. We've created new terms for all kinds of things as we have discovered them. And so back then, they weren't as advanced as we are. They didn't really have terms for what they said or what they experienced. So even their terminology for what they were seeing was limited. The Bible basically says that we were made in the image of God. We are creators. We are given the reason and purpose for why we were created. And we are even given a little bit of insight into our fallen nature and how that has affected our relationship with God and the people around us. And it even touches on how there are a limited number of other beings that God has created who do not share the unique quality like we do of being made in the image of God, okay? Now, the key word in all of this is limited. 
we have a limited amount of information from scripture about these things that I just discussed, meaning that scripture may be able to tell us all the information we need to know for like life, life. It's like the manual for life. Just be here, do good, do good things to others. But it may not tell us everything we want to know about other things like the universe, physics, and all the the knowledge that humans are seeking all the time to understand. We all kind of want to know who the fuck we are, why we're here, why we're experiencing all of this stuff. Because when you really start to like think outside of that possibility, it gets real crazy. You're kind of like, if I can exist here and I know what the fuck's going on and I can actually ask these questions, there's something bigger going on here. This isn't just a fucking like a meat suit that we live in, okay? So the scripture is very limited in that regard. And when I look at looking into all of this alien and UFO research, I see this all the time. People tend to think that these aliens and UFOs must be traveling from other planets in our universe. And in that case, they must be able to travel faster than the speed of light and be able to live extensively long periods of time. Okay. Now in that theory, in our own reality, it isn't plausible. Said this before. But this is why a lot of people don't believe it, which is understandable. But would it be more plausible if these beings were coming from other dimensions instead? Now, if we take other dimensions into consideration, Nate Sala, who's the host, he explains that the Bible actually touches base on this notion that there are other dimensions. Okay, now to prove this, let me ask you a question. All you Christians out there, where is heaven located? It's above us. It's outside of our universe. Do you think that there's a place in the universe that heaven is located? Probably not. You actually probably think that it's located outside of this reality that we understand and know. And when you take that information, which is interesting too, because they talk about raising your frequency. And how do you raise your frequency? Well, we're told oftentimes it's be a good person, learn new things, elevate your consciousness, become enlightened, be better and better, work on yourself. And that's how you raise your frequency. That's how you raise your consciousness. And where do you go? You go up. So is heaven just describing the fact that if you're a good person, you get to go up, you get to go higher in the dimensions. And it's also odd that hell is located where? Well, it's located below us, right? And that's where all this low energy frequency is because the higher you get, the higher your frequency. So apparently these bad people who do bad things, the Bible tells us that they get to go down to hell. So when you look at the account of creation in Genesis and you reflect on what we know about science, then clearly you will see that God created the universe at a finite moment in the past. Space, time, and matter all came into existence at the same point, which is just like the Big Bang Theory. And if you rewind time enough down to the moment of creation, before creation, what that is, is an environment outside space, time, and matter. Basically another dimension. We're living in space, time, and matter, according to the Big Bang Theory, what was before that? It was something that was outside of all of that. Okay. Now the Bible characterizes this as a spiritual realm where a spiritual battle is currently taking place. So 
Nate Sala refers to Ephesians chapter six to kind of explain this, okay? Ephesians chapter six says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The heavenly places, not heaven, the heavenly places. So there is a spiritual war going on outside of our reality. It's trying to get to us, okay? He also refers to another passage referring to Elijah, which says, Then Elijah prayed and said, O Yahweh, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And Yahweh opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. And then they came down to him. They interacted with Elijah. And Elijah prayed to Yahweh and said, strike this people with blindness, I pray. So God struck them with blindness, according to the word of Elijah. And that's when, so it seems like to reference this, that there is something going on here interdimensionally that is going on all around us. And it seems that angels and demons are all around us. We just can't see them unless God gives us the ability to see them. So what we can take from this is these other beings that God talks about in the Bible are actually able to interact with us as they walk through these dimensions. And that's how it talks about in there. Like, obviously these things can be physical and they can come into our dimension. We can interact with them. Nate goes on to talk about, and obviously if you kind of think about it too, if they are matching our frequency coming into our dimension, then automatically they do turn into space-time matter. So that's why we can hold on to these craft. I don't know. That's just where my mind just went. Anyway, so Nate goes on to talk about patterns that have been described by people who have claimed to be abducted by these beings. Now, this is where it gets interesting because... So there's been a ton of UFO researchers out there. A ton. And they have devoted their life's work to trying to research into these abductions and these UFOs. And there's a lot of really, really amazingly credible researchers out there who've done a lot of work. They put in a lot of work. And after conducting a lot of these interviews with people who've been with abductees, there is something in the literature that's called classic abductor syndrome. And these are basically just a lot of the common patterns that happen amongst people who've been abducted. So usually these accounts come out after the person has been placed under some sort of hypnosis and these memories then get flushed out. So the abductions usually always happen at night. These people don't really get abducted during the day. Usually a UFO appears and then the abductee blacks out. Okay, they then become paralyzed. A beam comes down and they begin to levitate up into the ship. They can even be transported through like solid objects, like walls. And then the aliens will sometimes appear out of thin air, okay? The abductees are then experimented on with like these primitive surgical tools, which I find very odd if they have such advanced technology. But the entities, when they're captured, they usually tell the abductee that their intentions are really good. Abductees have even mentioned that they say that they created humans, that they are the creator of Earth. 
Some have even disguised themselves as Jesus. Celebrities, well-known figures, family members, and they do this to gain the trust of the abductee. And in this regard, if what they're saying is true, you have to ask yourself why. Why do they need to conduct themselves in this way? Okay, this was so noted that some alien abductee researchers, even like the non-Christian ones, began asking, well, if these entities that are interacting with humans are good and benevolent, then why do they feel the need to use the cover of darkness to perform good deeds? Well, because usually these things usually happen at night. Why? Why do they need to paralyze these people so that they can't resist? And why do people always feel this really intense fear and pain with these encounters? Now, this seems more in line with malevolent motives and not these like great high spiritual motives, right? So what's interesting too is the after effect of these abductions. It's well documented. And there's a lot of these abductees that say after they've been abducted, they go through this religious transformation. It changes their complete perception of life, especially with the knowledge that they are given from these beings. And through abductee surveys, there was overwhelming amount of abductees that state afterwards, they were drawn more towards the paranormal. And then they began a new interest in Eastern religions, paganism, and the New Age worldview. So it also showed that the majority of these abductees had also dabbled in the occult, even if it was like relatively minor. They at least dabbled a little bit in the occult prior to their abduction. And then after their abduction, it basically brought it full circle and made them feel like they were going through a religious transformation and pushed them more towards the occult, okay? This is all very interesting, how all of these things kind of tie together. So according to this guy's theory, it would appear that the occult is a prerequisite to being abducted or having an experience with aliens or entities, okay? But some stories from abductees have even reported that in the middle of their abduction experience, they were stricken with such intense fear that they had called on the name of Jesus Christ and everything was stopped instantly. So what exactly are we dealing with? If the powers of the name of Jesus Christ can stop an experience right in its tracks, Nate refers back to Ephesians chapter six. Again, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Which is why Paul says, put on the full armor of God to protect against the devil's deceit. Okay? So in this reference, according to Nate, we aren't dealing with aliens. We're dealing with demons. Demons. In the Bible, what the Bible talks about. The terminology used in the Bible was limited, okay? So could the Bible be describing what science is finally starting to explain? Now, this is why I think that all of these theories can exist simultaneously. It just depends on your perspective. But when you look at a lot of what the abductees have said, 
a lot of the research that has gone into UFOs, aliens, and the experiences that surround them. There are non-Christian UFO researchers that have concluded a lot of the exact same things, that somehow a lot of this is tied to the occult, okay? So let me break this down on why these things can exist simultaneously. So you don't believe aliens can travel galaxies to get here? Well, cool. They don't. They come from other dimensions. What? Other dimensions? Yes. According to quantum physics, we live in a holographic fractal universe, which is part of many. And the Adrinkra codes are basically the codes that have written the software, which is operating this entire experience, basically like a simulation. Well, then if that's the case, then someone had to have written the software and created this. Well, yes, in that case, there is a creator. And according to ancient biblical text written by the creator himself through us, he explains all of what science is just now beginning to understand. God says in the Bible, believe in him and do good deeds and you will go up into heaven. Science says when you elevate your consciousness and higher your vibration, you can enter these higher dimensions. I mean, it's all very fascinating how everything seems to explain the other. It just really depends on what perspective or view you want to view it as. But are aliens aliens or are they demons? I don't know. But history has shown that UFOs and aliens are very much tied to the occult. The symbolism itself surrounding it all is completely overwhelming. Okay, for example, in the hearing, one whistleblower described that one of the UAPs looked like a sphere with a black cube inside. And if you know anything about Saturn worship, the black cube is a huge component of Saturn worship. Saturnians refer to the black cube as the metaphysical realm where Saturn is trapped. And I would love to go over how it all relates to the occult, but that would be a completely entirely different episode. So there's a lot to cover there. But if this is something that's resonating with you, I really suggest that this is a new path for you to go in and research on, okay? Check it out. There is a good book by my good friend, Isaac Weisup, who was on the podcast a couple months ago. He wrote two really, really good books on this. Aliens, UFOs, and the Occult. Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. You can buy it on Amazon. Has really good reviews. I read it. I was very, very like impressed by how deep he goes into how this all relates to the occult. And like I said, again, with all of these non-Christian UFO alien researchers, they even say a lot of this is like tied to people who have dealt with the occult. So a good book on this to read who that was written by my good friend, Isaac Weisup. He has the Occult Symbolism and Pop Culture podcast. He was on my podcast just a few months back. And I read both of his books. I was taken aback because they were just very well written. You can get them on Amazon. Really great reviews. It's called Aliens, UFOs, and the Occult. Use your illusion one and two. Okay. Highly suggest if you want to look more into this, it's resonating with you, get the book. He goes really deep into it and highly suggest it. So what do I think is going on here? Okay, well, I can't really tell you exactly, but I tend to lean more towards it being part of like a spiritual realm because researchers in the field that have extensively investigated these things 
and have spoken with abductees have all consistently found parallels with occult practices. Okay, even one researcher even theorized that the purpose of these experiences or, you know, these abductions is to shake up and transform religious perspective. Ironically, there is overwhelming evidence that abductees after abduction gravitate towards new age philosophies. So are these beings trying to deceive the human race? Is that the devil's deceit? Could this be what the Bible meant by being deceived by the devil? Is opening yourself up to these occultic practices so that you can be influenced by another narrative that goes against the Bible and kind of sucks you into this lower frequency, these lower dimensions, right? Have they created this new age philosophy? to raise our consciousness and bring us more towards a new religion in this world, right? I don't know. I mean, I struggle a lot with my own religious beliefs, but the fact our government is harboring this information for their own nefarious advantage, and it sounds like even the way they are disclosing the information with like an agenda, not a good agenda. I mean, it doesn't really sound like what we're dealing with is good, and so I'll be curious to see how this all plays out. Maybe my perspective will change, but I'm really curious to know what you guys think about it, okay? If you have anything you would like to share with me, find me on social media, send me an email. You can find me on all the stuff in my show notes. But that concludes today's episode, my friends. If you like it, consider sharing with a friend or give me a five-star review. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it helps the show out immensely. And it's a free way to support one of your favorite podcasts, I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Until next time, my friends, stay weird and don't forget to question everything. Bye-bye. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that episode from the Chiller Queen podcast. And if you were intrigued by that discussion, make sure you go follow Chiller Queen in your favorite podcast app and on Instagram at Chiller Queen Podcast. Disturbed will be back next week with a brand new regular episode.